Welcome back to GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kemp. Here with me today is Chris Miles, and we are going to discuss passive income and how to acquire it now. But before we jump in, here's a bit about Chris. Chris is very multifaceted. He's known as the cash flow expert and an anti-financial advisor, is a leading authority teaching entrepreneurs and professionals how to get their money working for them today. He is an author, podcast host of the Chris Miles Money Show, has been featured in U.S. News, CNN Money, Entrepreneurs on Fire, Bigger Pockets, and has a proven reputation with his company. Money Ripples, getting his clients fast financial results. In fact, his personal clients have increased their cash flow by over $250 million in the last 11 years. Yes, you heard me right. Over $250 million. And without further ado, welcome Chris Miles to the GEMS podcast. Such a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Chris. Um, and let's just jump right in. So I read your bio. I know there's definitely more to Chris Miles than you put on your bio because, you know, you only could put so much about yourself. So give us a fun fact and let let the audience know, why did you start doing what you're doing now? Yeah, I started doing what I was doing unintentionally, right? Which is kind of how life leads you, you know? Um, I started out initially, um, I was going to college and I was going to go into business consulting. That was my goal. I thought if I was going to do that, should I have a real, like real business experience, not just book smarts, right? So before getting my bachelor's and going to get my MBA, I dropped out. I said, all right, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. What am I going to do? And uh, the first opportunity that came up was becoming the traditional financial advisor, right? You know, becoming the mainstream financial advisor, AKA salesman in a suit. And uh, I started doing that. And, and although like I was learning a lot of different things about money, um, I really love being an entrepreneur to the point that I actually stayed dropped out of college. I didn't finish getting my degree at all. I didn't get my MBA. Um, plus, you know, sociology degree, so what, you know? So I actually stayed out. I stayed dropped out, became an entrepreneur. Now, four years later, as I was an entrepreneur and being a, a, a financial advisor and that sort of thing, I started to realize that things were broken, right? Because, you know, you know if you've ever met with financial advisors, they kind of suck right? Like they're always the telling you to put your money in somebody else's company, somebody else's stock. When you realize as an entrepreneur, I should be putting money in my own stock, my own company, making way more money than their possible, maybe 10, 12% a year. Right. Um, but they're always telling you to do that stuff. And so um, I started looking at evidence. I'd like to know that things work. And as I started to see people that had decades of advice, they weren't financially free. And it really came to a head. And at the end of 2005, I was talking to a friend of mine. He had left do, do, to go do real estate investing. I thought, oh yeah, sure. Good luck with that. You're going to be broke. Well, quite the opposite was true. Four months later, him and his dad had actually doubled their income as a professor at that local university. And I said, come on, that's, that's too good to be true, right? Which is what we always hear. And, uh, and he said, no, we're doing it. And, and finally, he, we got in this debate about what's really better, stocks or real estate. And he finally just stopped me. He said, Chris, how many of your clients are actually financially free where they don't worry about money? And I thought, well, none, because they all worry about money. Because if they watch the news, you're going to worry about everything. You think the sky is falling, right? So everybody worries about money. So I said, none, none of my clients are really financially free. He was like, well, good job, Chris, way to go. Well, how about this? How many of you guys as financial advisors are financially free, not off the commissions you're earning, but actually doing the investments you've been recommending, like in these mutual funds? And I thought about it. And I said, well, I know there's guys in our office been working there since the late 70s. 
and they're still needing to work every, like they're still in the rat race. So none, none of them were financially free. He said, well, there's your problem. And I'm like, well, okay, well tell me the answer. He's like, I won't tell you the answer because you were just being a jerk to me about why stocks are so much better. I'm like, no, I'm open. I'm willing to admit that I'm wrong here. Give me something. And so he had me go get this Robert Kiyosaki book, not Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which I'd read a few times before, but one called Who Took My Money, which says pretty much why mutual funds stink, right? And then he had me listen to this AM talk radio show, pre-podcast days, right? And uh, I started listening to these guys who were real estate investors. And to the point where after a few months, I realized I couldn't be a, a financial advisor and feel like I'm in integrity anymore. I knew that it didn't work. I knew that I was teaching something that was wrong. And even though my pocketbook was tied to it, I had to quit. So 2006, March, I said, I'm done. I'll never teach about money again. I'm just going to go and, you know, be a mortgage broker and teach ballroom dancing, right? Because that was one of the things I used to do was be a, one of the nation's top amateur ballroom dancers. Oh, wow. And, um, That's a fun fact right there. I know. Kind of an interesting fun fact, right? Another weird one. And, and uh, I just remember this last night. I was going for a walk. Uh, 2001, right at the beginning, I actually was uh, made it to the quarterfinals of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, you know? So lots of useless information in this head of mine, right? <laughs> but, uh, any case, you know, but I, I actually wanted to know what these guys knew. And so I actually started to apply the things they learned, focus on cash flow, not just accumulating money in the stock market. And the next thing I know, I was able to be financially independent, 28 years old and to, by the summer of 2006. And let's, that blew my mind. Let's pause right there really quick, Chris, because what I heard um, so far is that you had a paradigm shift. You made mm -hmm. fun of your friend talking about, oh yeah, real estate investment. You're not really mm -hmm. going to make any money because you were so caught up in the stocks. But then once yeah. you saw the metrics and you saw, you know, the proof in the pudding that him and his dad, who were, they were both professors, right? Uh, no, just his dad was. His dad was a professor and he made four times the amount and you're like, oh my gosh, this is too good to be true. Is that mm -hmm. the moment when you had that paradigm shift and that aha moment? That was the moment that I said, okay, I'm open, you know, uh, but the paradigm shift really happened. It took till about, I mean, it started happening gradually from January through March of that year, 2006. But by the time I went to one of the events that these real estate guys put on, um, they started ripping apart financial advisors. And uh, they even asked, there's a hundred people in the room that said, they're like, hopefully there's no financial advisor room. Anybody financial advisors? I went to raise my hand, realizing my hand was the only one going up. I quickly brought it down. Wait, I didn't wait, want to wait. be embarrassed. Why did you bring your hand down? You should have like been proud and been like, yeah, I was a financial advisor, but here's the kicker. Now I'm in a paradigm shift and mm -hmm. I'm learning what you guys are teaching because that would show them that, okay, because you know, how many people are really honest in, in those rooms and really put their hands yeah. up? You probably weren't the only one that was a financial advisor, but you could have been the only brave one that raised your hand. And then, you know, they could ask you questions and then you could kind of talk about your world and then talk about their world and how you're merging mm -hmm. the two together and how you left that other world because someone gave you the playbook and said, this is what I'm doing. This is how it's working for me. Here are the mm -hmm. metrics and boom. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like they, they brought up so many common sense things, right? Like for example, we always hear things like high risk creates high returns. I mean, think about risk. The definition of risk is chance of loss. When did a 90% chance of losing become a 90% chance of winning? Like that doesn't add up to hundred percent, does it? You know, that stuff doesn't work, you know, and then, and then things like, you know, you're in it for the long haul. Well, if the market goes down, that long haul just gets longer. That's what happened to my dad. And Y2K, like my dad thought, if this stock market keeps going up. This is how people feel right now, by the way. Like if this stock market keeps going up, I'm going to be financially free in my 50s, right? And nope, he, uh, he had to work 15 more years because of what the stock market did during Y2K. 
you know, like that's the kind of stuff that people buy into. And, and I was buying into, and then to see that these guys were multimillionaires in their twenties and thirties. And I, I know guys that are in their sixties and seventies as financial advisors, not in that place. I thought, wait a minute, maybe I'm missing something. And now this would be a great segue, like, cause we're going to pivot here because mm-hmm. that's so true. What you're saying that these financial advisors, they, they feed people with a lump of crop or they tell you about the stock market. And mm-hmm. then they're like, yeah, just keep riding the wave, keep riding the wave. Or whenever you call them, oh, I'm thinking about pulling my money out. No, don't pull your money out because, you know, this is just how the market goes. You know, it's going to mm-hmm. have that pendulum. And then before you know it, you're losing thousands. And then even though I'm young, I'm a millennial y'all, but you know, I'm very conservative when it comes to money. But then if you guys were talking to my husband, he's very aggressive. And I'm like, no, 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 nobody. No, we're not about to lose all our money um, Mm -hmm. following pipe dreams. So now let's segue into how do you make passive income now? Because I feel like so many people right now are either going through the great resignation. And for those of you who are listening, it's the moment where people have woken up due to the pandemic that they enjoyed staying at home. They feel like they could get all their work done. And plus they have that time to spend with their family because if they're spending eight eight hours a day on someone else's clock in their building, they're not pouring that time back into their family. There's other reasons why we're going through the great resignation. There's workplace culture issues. You know, the, the lack of DE&I, which is diversity, equity, and inclusion. Plus, if you factor in equality, that's another big thing. And there's so many things that are going through there. But what I found out is as people are going through the great resignation and they're starting their businesses, Chris, they're going into the entrepreneur bucket. They're also worried about healthcare because when you're running your own business, healthcare could be very pricey until you start making um the money that you want to make. So let's kind of debunk that. And then let's really talk about how can someone change their mindset and think about passive income now, because I truly believe you definitely need to have a multi, a residual income always coming in and multiple streams of income. And the reason why I say that was because I spent 12 years in oil and gas and I was recently laid off in February and you know, oil and gas, you get paid extremely well, but then my aha moment was, this is not my company. I'm never going to be the CEO of this company. And just like that, they can let you go whenever, you know, the price of oil is not doing good or something's not doing good because mm-hmm. it's profit over, you know, people. Yeah. You brought up a lot of great points. I mean, the, the biggest thing right now is that uh, this should have been a warning call for us, right? 2020 going into 2021 should have been that, that warning call saying you need to get your crap in order, you know, because I mean, like, like you just mentioned, I mean, like you, you, you realize that of course your job is not a guarantee. You know, that thing that was supposed to be secure wasn't secure. And even as an entrepreneur, we found out last year, we're not even secure as an entrepreneur, because what if we get labeled as a non-essential business, right? I mean, we had so many people, exactly. There's people shut down for a couple months and a lot of businesses could make it if they didn't have enough cash on hand. Right. So there was a lot of things that happened that just got slapped in our face. That should be the wake up call to say, I need multiple streams of passive income coming in outside, even if you're in business, even outside your business and inside your business. And so let's, so let's talk about a few of those things, right? Because again, as a financial advisor, I was always thinking you had to save up money for the long haul, save in the stock market, let it grow. And then you live on less than the interest, right? Yeah, exactly. That slow little climb. And, uh, and that's, and that's, that's been the case, but I'll tell you like, even among the millennials, especially lately I've seen, right. Um, the fire movement, the financially independent retire early movement 
is so big in this. Like, oh, the stock market's amazing. Um, I'm going to be able to retire next year because I'm going to live on 4%. Here's a few problems with that. One, the stock market for the last 12 years has been up over 14%. The average for the 30 years, though, is like 8.4% of a real return in the S&P 500. Not 14, 8.4, which means that we're about, already we're more than double what it is. In fact, have, we're going to the 13th up year in the row of the stock market. You understand that that's never happened in the history of the stock market. Before, the record was six years in a row. Now we're at 13. So the, harder, the higher it flies, the harder it's going to fall, right? So don't think that you're going to be safe there. Uh, two, that 4% rule, you know, where you save up a million bucks and then you can live on 40,000 a year, which by the way, kind of sounds crappy when you think about it. You're like, that's like a broke millionaire. You know, like I'm barely above the poverty line there, but you know, still 40,000 a year, right? At 4%, that's, that's actually been shown to be not proven well, right? That doesn't work well nowadays with the lower interest rates, higher inflation, all that kind of stuff. In fact, the number should be more like 3%, which means if you have a million dollars you saved up, you should only be living on 30,000 a year, not 40,000. And that's before you pay taxes. Because if you put in dumb 401ks and IRAs, they don't help you. So what's the answer, right? It's going in what they call alternative space. Now, some people say, oh, I'm a conservative investor. I don't do anything crazy, right? But the truth is, is that you do, you, yeah, you're comfortable. I call those people comfortable savers, right? You're a comfortable saver because the rest of the world's doing it. You think it's safe to do it. But the truth is that if the average American is not becoming financially free, why would you follow their advice? Why would you do the same things they're all doing? You want to do something different that actually has been proven to work. So like, for example, for me, the thing that was a big aha, the paradigm shift, especially was seeing hope, right? This is what got me before I was able to quit. I was like, okay, I got to get out of here because I realized, wait, I can take that same million bucks. And, and say it's focused around cash flow, not growing your money, not banking on appreciation, not banking and gambling on things growing, but instead getting paid regular stable income. So for example, a rental. And some people are like, oh, real estate's horrible. No, I don't care if it goes up or down. If I get paid good rent, I don't care. And so for example, if I, you know, I, I, three years ago, I bought a property in Memphis. You know, by the way, I live in Utah. I buy all my properties in the East. I don't buy anything in the Western half of the U.S. because it's crappy out here, right? It's just, just not good returns. Oh my gosh. You're the second person that I've had on this podcast that lives mm -hmm. somewhere different than where they buy their real estate property. I'll have to share that segment with you. His name was Axel Meerhofer, and he kind of gave me the play on that. So I was like, uh -huh. So go ahead, Chris. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I didn't think that was possible either. I, was buy, I would always buy my backyard and that was a horrible idea, you know, but buying from like turnkey companies, for example, there's a company called turnkey companies you can buy from that they have the, the list of properties like a buffet. They even tell you what the returns are going to be ahead of time. And then you buy it. All you have to do is finance it if you're going to finance it. And then the rest of it, they property manage it. You don't do anything. You're not a landlord. You are simply the person that finances the property. You own it and control it, but you don't deal with the headaches. You don't deal with the tenants, toilets, and trash that way, right? Um, yeah. So the question there, I want you to explain what a turnkey provider is for the audience because mm -hmm. they may have forgotten since, you know, a few segments back with yeah. Axel. Yeah. So pretty much what they do is they, they, they find the properties for you. Um, they might be the ones that actually bought and sold to, to you and, and renovated it, right? Sometimes they're just out there looking for properties that have good returns. They're, they're looking for ones that generally will have positive rent. So after you pay their property management fees, because they'll property manage it. 
They'll find the property for you. They'll even hook you up with a lender. You know, if you need a lender to help you do it, they'll hook you up with a lender. They, they take care of everything for you, except for buying the property. That's your responsibility. So you buy the property, but they are the ones that actually manage the property and you get paid the rental profits. So then question, whenever you are looking to buy that property, do you always have to have all the money up front, Chris, or do you, um, because I know nowadays there's multiple people who they want to buy property, but they may not necessarily have all the money, but they go in with a pool of other investors. So then you could kind of share that property in a sense, or what, what, uh, what have you done and what has worked for you? Yeah, generally you could do a down payment. So if you're just starting out 20% down payments, all you need, you know, so like that property I bought in Memphis, I bought it for about 135,000, put $32,000 down on it. Um, that's with closing costs, right? After closing costs and everything. Um, but I started getting paid over 300 bucks a month, right from day one, you know, so I was making about a 1% a month or 12% a year profit, right? Not, you know, that's after the mortgage is paid, by the way, they pay down your mortgage for you, right? Um, any appreciation you get, cause now that property is worth 205,000. All that appreciation is a multiplier effect. Just so you know, I only put 32,000 into it, but now the total returns I've had is almost hundred thousand dollars in the last three years, right? Think about that. That means I've tripled my money in three years. And that's amazing. Even, that, even with the stock market, that's not even close to anything they can do. And by the way, I don't pay any taxes on that money because I write off everything with the, I can depreciate the property and all that kind of stuff. So there's all these tax benefits you can do to keep all the money you earn, right? Or at least most of it. And yeah, you can buy it in cash, but I like to use the bank. I like to leverage the bank, get cheap money because you know that 20% down, there, if there's any appreciation, if there's a 10% appreciation in that, right? Say you bought a hundred thousand dollar property, you know, you put twenty thousand dollars down on it, it appreciates 10%, it appreciates 10,000. But that's not a 10% rate of return for you because you only put down 20%, you put down 20,000, you get all that 10,000 appreciation, right? So your 20,000 made 10,000, which is a 50% return. So you get this five multiplier on any appreciation you get. Um, again, I, I've learned since the last recession, never bank on appreciation. It's just icing on the cake, right? Um, but even then, like I still, I get paid almost 500 bucks a month on the same property because rents go up every year, you know, and things like that. So, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I'm still buying. So that's one way, but that's not the only way you can generate passive income. You mentioned like pulling money together, right? There's things out there called like syndications where you can pull your money together, buy into like apartment building or a self-storage unit. You know, that's always a fun one, especially if you go into a recession, because a lot of times if people downsize, they move their junk into the self-storage units, right? And you're not dealing with tenants. You don't have to worry about evicting people. They just walk you out <laughs> and then <laughs> kick your stuff out and either sell it off or auction it off or whatever, or, you know, just say, here, take it back. You stop paying. They just lock you out. You know, it's, there's all kinds of things you do there. Um, you mentioned like oil, you've been in the oil industry. Like, I actually, we just put $50,000 into a mineral rights company where they actually go and they lease the land to, you know, companies like Exxon Mobil and people like that. And, and they pay out like easily 10 to 15% a year and they're paying out monthly, you know? So we're getting regular income just coming off the profits of that, you know? And, and actually it's a, probably closer to almost 15 to 20%. I just don't want to overpromise anything. Right. Cause who knows? Yeah. But, uh, you don't I mean, want anyone to hold you accountable to that. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like, everything's varied. I mean, I even did a partnership with somebody who does land leases where they buy raw land. They either sell or finance it to somebody where they, they become the bank and they finance it for somebody else to buy, or they sell it, just flip it to them. Right. Or whatever it might be to make a profit. 
um, already in the last three months, they've already made over 70% return on my money, you know? So I mean, that's the kind of stuff that here's the funny thing. Stocks, people are like, yeah, but you can make money in stocks. You can, but there's one, zero tax breaks. And don't think an IRA or 401k gives you tax breaks. They just delay your taxes. There's zero tax breaks with those. They just push you off to the future. And do we really trust our taxes are going to be less in the future, especially with inflation? I mean, that's a, that's a big gamble right there, right? And then two, here's the thing is that I, I know I just keep going, right? But here's the biggest thing, right? Is that uh, when I'm buying assets, I'm buying real assets. You know, stocks and mutual funds, they're not real assets. They're arbitrary. They can go up and down. They can go to, they may not go to zero, but you have, they can go up or down on a daily basis. The things I buy, if they move, they move slowly. They don't move overnight. And so it's not like I'm gambling in Bitcoin and crypto as much. I have some of that, but that's a teeny piece that I'll put in there that I think, hey, if it makes money, great. But if I lose it, it does nothing to my wealth, right? That's kind of how I invest. So I just want to recap before we wind down. So some of the ways that Chris Miles is investing to create his passive income is rental, rental properties. So he's buying properties. He, don't, he does not buy them where he lives, but he buys them out of state. Oil reserves, he mentioned mineral rights. He also mentioned syndications where you could put your money with other people who are interested in buying assets that where they're not worrying about, oh, where's the money going to come from? Because they have other people that are effective players that are putting their money in a pool to either buy, you know, storage units, to buy apartments or whatever the case may be. So those are some ways that you can make passive income. He will definitely share other um other ways too. So make sure you connect with him on his platform. And we could also have him back for a part two if you're eager to learn more. But Chris, I want to be respectful of your time. And I want you to tell the listeners as well as the viewers once again, who you are, how they could connect with you on social media and leave us with your CTA, which is call to action. Yeah. So my call to action, I'll say is follow my podcast, the Chris Miles Money Show, right? You can follow us there. Um, on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, whatever it's at money ripples, which is also our website, moneyripples.com. You can check out some stuff there too. And there you have it, listeners and viewers of Gems Podcast with Genesis Amarska. You just heard Chris Miles and you know, he's the money ripples guy. He has a lot of things that he's doing behind the scenes as well as on the forefront. So make sure you plug in with him, follow the, our platforms and let us know your comments and feedback on this segment. And until we chat next time, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing day. And remember knowledge is power and let your money work for you. Don't work for your money. <laughs>